Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. Thanks for tuning in to today's show. Pete Carroll had an extra long press conference on Thursday. I won't go through all the questions and answers, but he took questions on how he feels about some of the changes the team is making going into 2020, players they've added, and the challenges of not meeting in person. Also, with Roger Goodell's latest statement, Colin Kaepernick was a big topic, and Coach Carroll talked about some of the reasons why he ultimately never ended up as a member of the Seahawks. He also talked about issues the players have worked through over these past two weeks with the protest. So we'll get into all that and in about that same order. If you haven't already subscribed to the show, be sure and look for Field Goals in your phone's podcast app. A really good show coming up for you next week as we'll be talking to Sheil Kapadia, former Seahawks beat writer for ESPN, who is now writing for The Athletic. He recently came out with his Football Nerds Guide to the Seattle Seahawks, so we're going to be talking about that. Subscribe to the show and get it as soon as it's out next week. So normally about this time in the offseason, the Seahawks would be closing in on the end of their time for organized team activities. And this has been a very different start of the offseason for Seattle and the rest of the NFL. So trying to prepare players for the upcoming season without being able to meet in person, all that in mind, Coach Carroll says he's pleased with the team's progress so far. I'm so fired up about the, what we have been able to accomplish during this time because I had no idea. I, mean, I didn't have a clue what was going to happen here. And uh, I asked the coaches to use every ounce of their creativity that they could and their energy that they could to keep them, the, the meetings proactive and involved and, and upbeat and moving it like we always like to do and didn't know if we, that would translate you know, through, the, uh, you know, through the technology. But it has. And we've, had, uh, we've made incredible progress. I think we're smarter at this point because of the added time that we've had to work and really focus on our, on the mental side of it than we've ever been. Um, we, we, we're going to go again next week. We'll be our last week. Um, we have been disciplined, strict about it. Gosh, it's been, it's been amazing how, how much interaction there has been. And I, I give a lot of credit to the, the guys behind the scenes orchestrated so that it could come off this way. Uh, but it, we've had an open forum every day with stuff going and, and uh, the coaches have done a marvelous job of, of maintaining the juice that it takes to keep, you know, you're, you're teaching class and, and to keep your your uh, your students involved and interacting and, and and studying. And our guys have made presentations. They've they've had to, uh, they've had they've been in competitions the whole time. And um, we're pretty good at this right now. And I, and it's worked out. It's worked out just fine under the circumstances. Um, as far as the football, normally at, at this in the off season you'd have two weeks of, of phase one, which is all meetings and no football. Um, so we've gone, you know, weeks past that now. I mean, we're almost six weeks past two weeks. And so um, we're just that much smarter for it. And I'm hoping that it'll carry over and that we'll get great retention, uh, you know, over the break. And so knowing that things are progressing well, let's start with Coach Carroll's thoughts on the moves that they've made with the defense this offseason. Pete says he's happy with bringing back Bruce Irvin as well as the speed that Jordan Brooks brings to the team. So how can we expect to see both of these players used by Seattle? You know, getting Bruce to come back was a big deal. Bruce is such a versatile football player. can play Sam and Leo and Russian nickel. That was a really good start to it uh, for the defensive side. Uh, and, but I think to, to hit it with, you know, with, with Jordan inside, he's going to be an ex- extraordinary football player for us. And he's got flexibility to play around. We'll, we'll, we'll figure out how to, how to fit him in best uh, to get both guys on the edges that, you know, uh, I think that it's, it's going to, Daryl and, and Alton are going to be guys that are going to really give us some juice um, yeah, so I, I think we've, we've 
you know, we've been fortunate and we needed to hit speed on the edge and we got it. Um, uh, and just the speed that, that, uh, Brooks brings, I mean, he flies, man. He, that, that four, four shows up on, on film for years. It's shown up. He's been, you know, very, um, well-established football player being all conference guy for four years. You can see him way back when, so it's natural. He's it's, it's going to carry right into our game too. So it just makes us that much better. We've made some, you know, some, some good, good moves and, and really the guys are really are fitting in. Another off-season acquisition for the defense was the trade for cornerback Quentin Dunbar. After Dunbar turned himself in following accusations that he was involved in an armed robbery in Florida, he took some time away from the team, but Coach Carroll says he's now back and participating with the Seahawks. Yeah, he took a few days to, to take care of uh, the, the stuff he had to take care of back home. Um, he's still there um, in Florida. Um, been very open in the discussions of what, what's taking place. There's a whole process going on. I, I don't have the details of where that is right now and wouldn't comment on that anyway, but um, uh, we have been, you know, very much connected with him and, and what, what is next and all of that. It seems like things are taking, you know, I, I don't even, I shouldn't even say, I don't even know, but, it, but we are following along with him. He is back and participating with us and focusing real well now. And, and, uh, um, so we'll see what happens with that. We'll be right on it. And we are, you know, John and his guys are all over it. And, uh, there's just not much I can share with you about it. One of the things I'm going to be talking about with shield Kapadia on the next episode is some of the analytics behind the Seahawks last season. And one of the interesting stats is that Seattle played more base defense four defensive linemen, three linebackers, four defensive backs. They played with that alignment more than any other team in the league last year by a wide margin. Pete addresses whether that's going to be part of their plan now going into 2020. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll see on, on that one. Um, we, we have uh, we have real good stats on it so that we know what we got out of what we did. Um, but overall, we weren't as effective as we've been. And so um, that's when we get back on the field and we see how things fit together. You know, a, a big part of that was some of the players that we had. You know, we've always tried to draw from the strengths of our players. And, 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 and that was one of the reasons that we did that last year. And uh, so we'll see how that goes. It's it's valuable experience that we've had. And what you're asking is is, is we we play base defenses versus nickel offenses in, at, at times. Yeah. And there's a number of teams that that, that have done that. Um, we played those packages better than than the nickel packages in, in the years past. But as that complemented all of our game and prepared us for all of our game, that's that's the decisions that we made as we see our players fit in. So I'm sorry I can't give you a, the, the definitive there, but um, all of that has been in discussion. All of that has been in the process of how we're approaching the season so that we can take advantage of the directions we may go depending on how the individuals you know, contribute. Safety Marquise Blair is going into his second season in the league. Coach Carroll was asked if the former second-round pick fits into the nickel defense and Pete says Blair has special talents and will get opportunities to contribute in different ways. He's a guy that we're very interested in, in, in finding a role for him. We, we've already uh, mapped that out. Uh, he's, he's got some real special talent that we want to find a spot for him, uh, not just to, to go along and complement the safety play that he's going to play. So in the nickel package, he is, he is getting, uh, he's going to get a, a lot of consideration to, to contribute in, in some additional ways because he's unique and got, got some special stuff. Moving over to the offensive side of the ball, this is the first time Pete Carroll has been able to talk about the team's newest acquisition, signing former 49ers running back Carlos Hyde. Hyde had a 1,000-yard season with the Houston Texans last year, and Coach Carroll says that the style that Hyde brings to the team is exactly what the Seahawks are looking for. 
Um, I'm really excited about him adding him to our team. Uh, I've always loved the way he played. You guys know. I mean, you, you've you've seen him. He fits the the kind of style that we love. He's you know he plays at 2:30. He runs as hard as he can possibly run. He's got creativity to him. He's got style. Uh, he can catch the football. Um, he had a fantastic season last year, but he's had a lot of really good years um, in leading up to that. And we've competed against him enough that the first thing I said to him is, "Finally, we get you on our side," you know. And and uh, so really thrilled to have him. Uh, we talked about his conditioning. We talked about his shoulder, uh, you know, just just to get updated and how it's going. And and um, he, he's moving along really well. He's made some some um, steps forward in the last last week that he's really proud of, and he thinks he's gonna he's gonna be fine. So it sounds like everything's going great. Um, we haven't had had a chance to get him in, in the facility yet and see him, but uh, we're counting on him being ready for the start of the season. In Carlos Hyde's conference call with the media recently, he says he comes in knowing that Chris Carson is the starter. Those two players do have a similar style, but Pete says one of the things that Hyde allows is that it gives Penny a chance to wait and come back at full strength when he's ready coming off that ACL injury. You know, there's some questions, you know, where does he fit in? All that? He fits right into the competition. You know, I mean, I, I mean, I feel like I've said this a thousand times to you guys, that this is a great position for competition. And uh, um, uh, he runs much, he and Chris run in similar fashion um, in, in the way that they slash and, and hit it. Um, I think he gives us a, a real good, you know, I don't know where he's going to settle in. I don't, I don't really care right now. I just know he's going to do good. And he gives us a chance to really um, bring Rashad back and, and, and carefully bring him back so that he's a, a you know, a hundred percent, thousand percent right and ready to go when, when we cut him loose. Uh, we're really excited about, we think Rashad is a little different, different style, but we love what he brings. Um, but this will allow us to, I think, in, to be clear about the process of, you know, uh, re-entering uh, uh, Penny back into it. So I think it's going to help us. And sticking with the running backs, Pete was asked about his expectations for Rashad Penny and if it's at all possible that he could start week one of the regular season. Yeah, but that, I don't, I don't want to think that way, you know, because I just, it's, you know, it was a late, a late season um, ACL and, you know, there's a, there's a time frame we just have to allow and knowing the skilled athlete position that he plays and all that, we, he's got to be back, you know, convincingly ready to go. So I'm not worried about that. Um, what day he comes back. What I'm concerned about is that we, we do it really well. He's doing great. Uh, he's, he's in LA for the most part uh, in Southern California. And he's working with a guy that I know um, from years back that I totally believe in. And uh, the reports that we're getting and, and from Rashad personally, that he's, he's cranking, he's really going. And so um, his weight's down and which is good for you know this term, uh, of the rehab and, and, uh, that'll help him some. Um, but he's, he's, he's running on it. He's doing some stuff already and he's, he's moving forward. So nothing but great reports. And, and uh, he's really determined. Uh, he checks in with me regularly. And, and, uh, so things are going well. Coming up after the break, the NFL talked about shortening at preseason. Pete Carroll addresses what that could mean for the Seahawks, especially for some of the younger players. Coach Carroll also addresses questions about Colin Kaepernick. And Pete says he now regrets not signing him in 2017. All that coming up next. The NFL recently issued some health guidelines to NFL teams for how to operate during training camp. John Harbaugh from the Ravens said what the NFL is asking to do is humanely impossible. But Pete Carroll says there's going to be a lot of information that comes back over the next few weeks and also talks about how testing will be important within the guidelines and protocol. We are trying to stay abreast this whole topic. I mean, in every aspect that we can, using all of the input that we can possibly get and, and, and to sort out, you know, the, 
the stuff that applies and all, uh, so that we can make really good choices and decisions. The league will have one one their protocols, you know, and they'll have that. That they've they've already shown us the structure. Um, we've already um, um, adopted the protocols for our coaches returning to the to the facility and all that. Um, I hope that we're going to go. You know, we're intending to do this as well as it can be done, and make sure that we do all of we make all of the testing available as we go. Because really, without the testing part of it and identifying somebody that might be an asymptomatic person that could transfer the you know the the infection, um, we really don't know anything. So we have to really be in tune with testing. So uh, that's all part of each club has the opportunity to do that as they as they choose within the guidelines and the protocol. So um, it's, it's, they've, they've done a lot of homework. They've done tremendous uh, work. Um, they've gone everywhere they could to find out the information to, to advise us. But then it does come back to the clubs to, to make the final decisions on how you put things in, in the state also to make the, uh, you know, to allow us the guidelines to move forward. The state has, and the governor has given us the opportunity in the professional clubs to go ahead and follow, you know, the league guidelines and what, and, and what we need to do. So that, that freedom is there, which is good. But we're going to be very, very, very protective of our players and in, 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 in the environment and make sure that we're doing the right thing. And so you're asking me, I'm not going to tell you all the stuff we're going to do because I don't want to give our, 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 our stuff away right now because we're still trying to figure it out. But we are uh, intensely going after meeting situations and, and locker room situations and, and, uh, and weight room sessions and walkthrough sessions and on the field, off the field, you know, all of that stuff, masks, no, and, and all of that so that we can be really well versed. And we're going to be, we're going to be great at this. And, and uh, I hope it's good enough, you know, and I hope that, and we're going to see is with all of the stuff we just saw, I think it's an interesting thing. I'll just drop on you that with all of the activities of the, uh, of the protests and all of the safe distancing that were violated, you know, with all of the numbers and in the streets and all of that, and, you know, we are out in it too, you know, to, to, to go along and help out and support. Um, there's going to be a lot of information come back to us about people gathering in open air settings um, for the most part, wearing masks. And let's see what happens. We're going to get a lot of uh, science coming out. It's a true experiment. That's going to tell us a lot of stuff here. Maybe we find out that, you know, that being outdoors is really a better way. We may wind up meeting outdoors is what I'm getting at. We may wind up having everything outdoors as much as possible. If that's the case, We'll have we have time to get some feedback on that, and we're, we'll just we're following the numbers like everybody else, and uh, and trying to make sense of it. So, and then there's a ton more to talk. You know, there's so much stuff here, but um, uh, we 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 have to compete, and we have to have and it's all hands on deck on this one, and we're all doing everything we can. Along with the plan for the start of training camp, there's also the potential that the preseason could be shortened down to two games. But Coach Carroll doesn't believe anything has been finalized yet. The league is right in the middle of discussions. We get kind of tidbits uh, as they have them to, to share with us that really, I don't even know how much is out there. I don't know how much you know, but they're trying to formulate a plan of re-entry, you know, and, and how we could do that. Um, our club is not going to, you know, we're, we're not, we decided earlier, we're not going to bring players in. The league has said that, you know, players aren't coming in early now. Um, and so we're, we were in support of that from the beginning. Um, but somewhere in the middle of, of, uh, july somewhere in there there's going to be a date where we're going to be able to they're aiming to kick us into activity and it'll be kind of scheduled i, I see it kind of like a little bit of phase one a little bit of phase two getting us ready for football um and i don't i'm not going to give you their dates and, and times right now because i know they're not settled but that's the plan and 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 so it, it there's some conversation out there it's talking about um you know 
the preseason being shorter, that might coincide with depending on when the date is and all that. That none of that settled at this time. So if anybody says they got it, as far as I know, uh, we have not heard that. Um, so what it really calls for is we have to be wide open. You know, we have to be ready to adapt. So we have a, a number of scenarios of how we're going to handle moving forward, and, and depending on what the dates are and all of that. And, and uh, like always, whatever it is, it's going to be equal, and we're going to try to kick butt in the competition of making the most of the opportunities that we have. And uh, so when and you asked about before, when you look back to that time, we're way farther ahead in the sense that we've been able to communicate with our players, uh, you know, through the, the technology that's given us the chance to teach our systems and our concepts and our principles and all that. And we have gone for it. I mean, we, we're not just, you know, just kind of going through the motion on our guys, our coaches and our players have responded to totally go for it so that we can max this thing out. And we, you know, it doesn't surprise you. I would tell you, we're taking like competition and we're trying to compete every single day to get the most out of every day. And, and uh, that's what's happened. And so we're, we're way farther ahead than we were before. If you remember, we came out of that, that time we didn't play very good up front. <laughs> we, we struggled the offensive line. I remember that that might have been the, the area that takes the biggest hit because of all of the intricacies and the continuity of it. And so we have learned, I've learned that, that that will be an area of, of great focus and concern when we come back, um, just recognizing and respecting that that, that may be the, the last group that really can get, get tied together. So we're going to have to really do a great job in that area. What does a shortened preseason mean for the Seahawks? Coach Carroll says it has a specific impact on the younger players. I think the number one thing that it changes is the opportunity for the young guys to show themselves. You know, when, when a young guy gets hurt, it really hinders him more so than an experienced player. And that's because he misses the time of developmental time. So if that was to take place, um, even though I'm extremely impressed with our young guys and how they have learned and they've applied themselves up to this point, but still there just might not be enough time to really give them the chance, you know, so you might be behind in that area a little bit. Um, uh, we'll take that as a personal comp, you know, competition. <laughs> we'll try to overcome that. But um, I would think that would be a, a, an area that you would, you know, you could see some, some guys, their opportunities, maybe the free agent doesn't get as many shots as he needs to show, you know, he misses those last two games are so crucial, you know, for, for a, a young guy trying to make a club. So I would think that would be the, the area of focus there. At George Floyd's funeral this week, there were calls for Colin Kaepernick to return to the league and, there seem to be a growing number of voices who feel he should return to the NFL. Coach Carroll addresses if there's anything he would do differently if he could go back to 2017 when Seattle brought him in and had the chance to sign him. Really simply put, uh, I we all held him in great regard as a player. We had coached against him in championship games and watched him go to the Super Bowls and beat us and we beat him. Uh, I think we knew Cap as well as anybody could have known a player. And, uh, you know, just because of the, the depth of the competition we had against him. And when that we had the opportunity, it, it had come up. I'll take you back to a story here. Cap called me during the season uh, before that offseason. Uh, and uh, he, he called out of the blue to ask me, you know, for some advice about where he would go next. I was flattered that he would even think to call me because we had never talked before that I could read other than just, you know, greetings. And uh, and so I, from that point, I was kind of rooting for him, you know, and, and hoping that they will, things will work out. And so when it came back around and I forgot about it, but we came back around and we had a chance to visit him, you know, and it, and it came up, I was thinking, okay, this is an incredible football player. Let's find out if it, if it could possibly fit football wise and all of that. And then also because he hadn't visited anywhere yet, you know, maybe this would help him, uh, you know, open up doors for him if, if our thing didn't work out. And uh, we had great meetings. Um, you know, I, and I don't know that I've ever explained it in as much depth, but, we spent half a day together. He spent time with our people uh, throughout the building and uh, in almost a full day. And he, he, he was awesome. 
He he just backed up even more of the play that we had seen in the character and in his in his smarts and his togetherness and, and his competitiveness to the point where um, it was so obvious that he's a starter in the NFL that this you know it was just that's what I think I eventually wound up uh, answering to you guys you know saying to you guys that um, he was he's a dominant figure as a football player and that's how we saw him and and the the fact that it didn't work out it, it, you know for us. You know, I figured he was—he's going to wind up starting somewhere for sure, and it just didn't happen. So uh, the rest of that story is is, is one that I, I regret that that didn't happen in some fashion. I wish we would have contributed to it because the guy deserved to play. I thought at the time, I just in our situation as a backup man, I didn't—I didn't feel it was right to, at that time. So I had to make that football decision. It was about our team and, and the situation. We had our starting quarterback and all of that, and uh, it wasn't going to be that open com- competitive situation that I'd like to think all of our spots are because Russ was such a dominant figure and all that. So anyway, that's what happened. And, uh, uh, I, I wish, I wish we, people had called me during the time before we ever got him in and say, Hey, he'd be, he'd be great in your program. He may not be able to play here or there, but he sh- certainly could play for you. I agree with that. He could play for us. He could have been a, a fantastic player in a program. Unfortunately, it just didn't work out. And then when you look back, I, I felt like we missed the opportunity. And, and so as I look back at it, I wish we, we could have figured it out and known, known what we know now and given him the chance because, uh, you know, I would love to see him play football those years. Michael Sean Dugar was on the show earlier this week talking about the possibility of Kaepernick returning to the NFL as well. He asked Coach Carroll about whether or not it was because of his protest during the anthem, if that was a consideration over whether or not the team decided to sign him. We had already been through demonstrations of all kinds. You know, we had all kinds of things going on. And we, if, if you remember, um, you know, we, we went right to the club. I had like the, the team, the, let me say it this way, the players made the decision on how we were going to do what we did. And uh, there was the, you know, remember the video that we put out and our guys, Doug did a tremendous job of narrating the, how we were going to stand arms locked in unity. And uh, that was a, a player's decision. And, and when we came back to the next year, you know, I talked to Bobby and Russ and the guys, and where do you, where do you feel like we need to go now? How's, and we felt like, you know, guys need to express themselves in the ways that they needed to express themselves and just go back and look at the film on the sidelines. You know what, you know, I felt like guys had to, you know, we had to find a way. And there was a time when we all wanted to do exactly the same thing. And then there was a time when we thought it was okay. We were strong enough. We, we had enough confidence in ourselves and our ability to hold it together that guys could do what they needed to do. A couple of guys stayed in the locker room and, and there was a number of things that guys did. So, um, that, that, that went out, like that was the issue. That was never the issue. And so I, all I can just tell you straight up, like I've told you every other word I've tried to say today to you straight up as I can be, that was not the issue. And I know that that was a media driven thing. So I, I don't know where that came from. You know, one of the things we heard about in the news was that the Seahawks wanted to know what Kaepernick's plan was for the season. There was speculation that if it meant the team wanted to know whether or not he was planning on kneeling, P. Carroll said that didn't play a factor. So what did it mean about the team wanting to know about his plan? Yeah, I remember that that word came up. That had nothing to do with that. It had to do with, you know, how was he looking at it? How was he was he content to be the, the backup for the season? Did he was he, did he want to come in and compete for the starting job? We wanted to know, you know, what where was his head at at the time and, and all that. Um but that's we ask everybody that, you know, that's that's you know, we always want to know that about guys, particularly experienced veterans. We want to know where the, where's their head at right now, where they think. And that was nothing unique uh, to, to cap situation at all. One of the biggest news items to come out of this press conference is that Pete said he got a phone call before the press conference from another team asking about cap. 
It was the first time he's talked to another person outside the team since he talked to Jim Harbaugh around the time Seattle was meeting with Kaepernick. After all of the time that, you know, the years that have passed, um, I, I never received a phone call about, about it. I never talked to another head coach about it. I never talked to anybody about it until today. I got a phone call today. I'm going to tell you who it was. But I got a phone call today in, in, in asking, inquiring about the situation. So I know, you know, somebody's interested, you know, and, and, uh, um, and, I, and he, you know, so we'll see what happens with that. But I, I thought that was the irony of that was crazy because I knew I was coming on your press conference. You guys are going to ask me a million questions about this today. I got a phone call today for the first time. And uh, the only guy I ever talked to about it other than, uh, you know, than just our own, own internal information, I, I called Jim Harbaugh way back when. And because, uh, you know, I knew that he he would I, I respected what he would tell me. That was the only guy I ever talked to about it. That was before we ever visited him. And he glowingly supported, uh, you know, Cap and all that. And, and just that's why we were so positive as well. Gave us reinforcement. But I just think it's ironic as, as heck that I got a call today. <laughs> and who, who would think it? Pete Carroll talked about how those opportunities of working through the team demonstrations in 2016 and 2017, how those helped veteran leaders through the conversations now with the younger players when it comes to the issues with the pandemic, as well as the protests following the death of George Floyd. Bobby and KJ and Russ, those guys were there right at the forefront. This was not one or two guys. This was everybody that was involved. And, and fortunately, those guys have been through it and lived through it. And they've what, what I think is so fortunate about the experience that we've gone through is that the younger players had a chance to hear now, hear how our guys talk and hear what, what Dwayne Brown has to offer. So that they, you know, they, they don't, the young guys don't know. They don't know what they're supposed to say or what, you know, where are the guidelines and what are the boundaries and all that. But our, we have such tremendously uh, willing and, and really gifted leaders in, in expressing themselves. They, they're used to, you know, showing their, their heart and, and all that. Um, that it's been really beneficial. And, and so I, I think there's been a real connection. I, I think the, and the, the guys who were there before Cam and Doug and, and Sherm and all those guys that were with us, I think they'd be proud of how our guys, you know, represent now and, and how they represent the past and what we've been through and, and how they, they demonstrate that experience then was meaningful to them now. And now they, they're pretty confident now that they're, they're on the right track and, and they're giving these younger guys um, a, a tremendous illustration of what it takes to be part of something when you really give up everything you have. And, and so I, I'm, I'm telling you for freaking virtual offseason, I'm thrilled about the, that. We've, you know, we've made it to where we have. And, and unfortunately the circumstances have been so, so t- I mean, the pandemic in itself, it has it led these discussions. We started with the pandemic. We didn't start with, with, uh, with the latest, uh, you know, concerns with George Floyd and the family and the death and all that stuff. We, we just, picked up on that one. And, and so uh, it's been an, it's been an amazing off season. It really has. Pete talked about some of the reactions from white players on the team with regard to these discussions about race, especially with so many players being able to now open up about issues they've dealt with growing up. There, there has been, um, been some interesting specifics, you know, about guys um, stating that they'd never been in these kinds of discussions before and never had the op- really kind of the opportunity to see their own feelings come come to the surface because of the rawness and, and the and the um, the willingness on the part of the black players to to tell their story and, and and to give their perspective and and some guys have have made statements that they they see things differently than they have before marvelous that's extraordinarily important that means we're growing 
and, and, and guys are learning and seeing things differently than they've seen it before, which has to happen. Because obviously what we've been seeing up to now and got it done. It, it's, it's, been a, it's been a mess. And so in the, the microcosm of a couple players, white players, you know, coming in touch with their own feelings and understanding the feelings of others in a different way. That's what this thing's all about, because that's what has to happen for us all to come together and to make the kind of change that we, that, that needs to happen. So uh, um, I would never give you guys names because this is too, it's too personal and all that, but it has happened, you know, in, in, in clear fashion and it's in our coaches as well. Um, just more so than ever, we've been more tuned in, more clear. There's a lot of there, there's a lot of mentality out there that where people just have not even explored the, where they could go emotionally about what's what take what is taking place in our history, and they just haven't gotten there because of all of the upbringing and and, and whatever you know their their experiences they haven't allowed them to figure it out yet. And uh, that's no excuse, but it's re- the truth. And so all that's happening is is generating new conversation and new awareness that has to happen for us to support the movement that it's going to take to make the big changes. We can talk about all we want. That don't mean nothing. We got to do stuff. And so, uh, it's, it, again, it's an illustration how guys are being moved by the conversation and they are seeing things differently than they ever have before. And they're appreciating and loving uh, the, the guys for, for, for helping them see the new truths. And so... Uh, it's it's a, been a powerful. It continues to be, and will continue to be a powerful experience. So, what can the NFL do for players with regard to the changes that players want to see? I see this league as a players' league. I think we owe everything to the players. So we owe everything to the guys from from years past. I said this a number of years ago, and I was really emphatic about that. That the perspective that I have for this thing is that. This is a players league. We owe everything to the players all the way back to the history of the league. And those guys that made this game come to life because they went out there and played this game when the freaking equipment was all screwed up and all that. And they took all the hits and the injury and all that, all the, the, that they endured to play the game when they were making four or $5,000 a game or whatever and gave their life to it. Um, I see it even more so now that this is a players. It's driven by the players. It's driven by their love for the game, their willingness to go out and, 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 and play this, the game that they love and risk the things that they risk to do it. And uh, that we should, and in that, as we respect them in that regard, we should also respect them for what they, what they have to say about the game and what they bring to it. And, and in that um, I would hope that as we move forward, obviously we, we, didn't get the message before when we had a chance to. The message is, is the same message. We need, we need to hear it better and hear it right uh, as, as people that support the game and people that love the game from the outside. And, and that, that message comes from our guys and we have to listen to them and we got to grow with them and, and, and respond to them and make sure that we represent them. Because the NFL is as powerful an institution as there is in the country. And this freaking a league needs to stand up for the right stuff and, and make things move where we can make things move. Uh, we have a lot of, a, a lot of power, you know, something happened and, and next thing you know, the president's commenting on it, you know, well, we have, we have the, the platform to do great stuff. Well, let's let our guys be in position to do that. And let's make sure that we support them and promote them. The, the, the black people know what's necessary. They, they've been living this life. It's the white people that got to, got to come on board and figure it out. And we, it's, that's, we need our guys to speak on, on behalf of what is right. And, and, uh, and, and what is necessary. They're not right all the time. They're going to make some mistakes too, as everybody does, but we need to listen to them and respect them properly and, and, and appropriately. And if we do that, if we follow them, we're going to do the right thing. And so um, I, I really, I really hope 
that more than ever before, that we will regard where they come from and what they know and what they see and what they feel as they represent their understanding of what's, what's necessary in the world that they're living in. Uh, and it'll, it'll make the difference in how we follow, uh, follow that messaging uh, in the league. So, you know, I, I don't know where that fits on the scale of who you're supporting and all that within the league. I don't know. I'm just telling you what it feels like. We need to follow these guys. They know what's going on. Uh, they're coming from exactly the right place. They're coming from their heart and from their experiences that, that they, they uniquely know. And uh, they will teach us ex- an extraordinary amount that, that will make it all come to life if we do it right. Lastly, how important is it to go from talking about what needs to be done to creating real change? Pete says they have to do the hard work behind the scenes to get things done. Ultimately, most important that we figure out how to make the change happen. And, 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 by, and we have to go to school. We got to learn, we gotta learn where, where we can put our energy so that it can be received well and, and, and acted upon. Uh, our, our players' wives are putting together a march on Saturday um, and uh, Aubrey Davis Park, I think it is, at 2 o'clock. And that's, that's a statement opportunity for us to make. And, and um, can't wait to get there and be part of it and, and all of that. There's, there's that kind of gestures that we can make that, that are openly received and, and, and seen. But we've got to do the, the hard work behind the scenes wherever we can. And uh, I know the Denver Broncos are doing some, some really good stuff involved with legislation. We have to get involved with Doug, what Doug Baldwin did uh, with his movement and with law enforcement a couple years back. It was unbelievable what he accomplished to get all the way to the Capitol and, and get his, his stuff uh, received well and, and, and put into motion. Um, but that not everybody can contribute in that way. And so we have to, like I said, we have to respect the guys that have the, the, the knack and the sense and the awareness and, and, and promote and support them so that they can they can carry the message that we can stand behind and, and, uh, and back them up. Because, and, and that's why the messaging is so important. It goes all the way through legislature in all of all the state ones in the, in the federal. And we have to do it by voting. That's one big way. But we got to get the right people in position to make the right choices so that we can make the changes because we have to get this done. We have to make the changes. It, there's, we don't have a, a choice, you know, and it's, it's as simple it's as simple as, you know, reading, reading the newspaper, reading the Internet, finding out what's going on around you. Where can you support? Where do you want to put your 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 your, your love behind where you want to put your money behind uh, and, and everybody do their part. And, and it's going to take a, a collective. That's why the protests are so important that the word is out there and everybody is, is aware and, and we need to continue to grow. This should be an ongoing protest of, of getting to the right place where everything is right and equal and, and, and just and, and all of that. So I wish Thank I had, you. I wish I had, I wish we had a simple answer to it. Nobody does, you know, cause it, cause it's not a simple solution. It's a big solution, but and just being just being with it isn't good enough. And you know, just being along board on board that ain't good enough. Uh, we we've seen that before. We got to go. You know, I, I'll leave you with this one. Um, back in the day, there was a great uh, uh, social activist, uh, and uh, Dick Gregory said, you know, "We got a big job. We ain't got much time." And he said that in the '60s and '70s. Well, it's true today. It hadn't happened yet. We, we got a big job, and we ain't got much time. We got to go for it. And so. Um, uh, that's what we're that's what we're called on. We got to do it. Thanks for tuning into today's show. Remember to subscribe to the show. The episode coming up next week with Shield Kapadia talking about the analytics behind the Seahawks 2019 season and looking ahead to 2020 is one you aren't going to want to miss. Subscribe to the show. SBNation.com slash NFL podcasts. Lots more Seahawks talk to come throughout the offseason. So until then, go Hawks.